Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Duana Osterland, and I'm your host, so our guest today is Adam Jamlin. He is a best-selling author, inspirational keynote speaker, transformational life coach, and spiritual and recovery mentor. In 2006, Adam got clean and sober, which unleashed many gifts he had hidden inside. Adam inspires and teaches those fighting fears, alcoholism, and addiction to unleash their inner hero. He is author of the best-selling book, Lotsaholic, From Sick to Sober Superman, at 30 years old, Adam Jamlin had everything a successful businessman is supposed to desire. A beautiful wife, a newborn baby, a gorgeous home, a sculpted body, a steady career. But instead of being happy, he was in the grips of alcoholism and addiction. And finally, through an intervention, was able to find peace and happiness on the other side. Well, on this episode, Adam shares his recovery journey and what helped him overcome his addiction and live the life that he only could have dreamt about. And don't forget, if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please subscribe in iTunes, click that plus button. I'd really appreciate that. And also think about writing a review in iTunes. That's awesome. I love that as well. I do read them. They mean a lot to me. So thank you everyone who has done that. I really do appreciate it. All right, stay tuned for this episode. All right, Adam, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. Let's just jump in and have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and, and we'll go from there. Sure. Well, my name is Adam Jablin and I am a coach, a life coach, recovery coach, recovery mentor. Look, basically the Addicted Mind, it's the perfect show and the perfect title, <laughs> who I am and what I do. And I really don't like titles. I don't like titles. I don't like being a coach in today's world because everybody else is one as well. But uh, what I really do is, is help people break through any traumas and, and old addictions, old awful patterns. And I, and I try to ignite a hero that lives with inside of them, that they can accomplish any of their goals and realize that these things are just pulling them back. You know, it's not helping right. them. I think it is, but it's not helping them. It's pulling them back to where they really want to be. Right. Well, let, let's jump in with a little bit of your story because sure. you had it all. You, you know, successful, everything, you know, 
physically fit, everything, and yet you're struggling with alcoholism and addiction. And I, I think so many people on the outside have it all together and then secretly on the inside are falling apart. Let's yeah. let's just talk about your journey so we have some context of sure, your sure. wisdom. So- so I'll give you a little background on me and I'll try not to over, you know, I don't want to talk too long, but on the, what I did was I tried to put on the perfect facade. So I had the charisma, I had the body, I had the career, I had a beautiful family, I had a work ethic that was second to none, but I was miserable inside. And even saying that is, is very honest now. Then I couldn't even say something like that. I just always felt discontent. Why am I not happy? Saying these things to myself, I have everything. You know, I, I can do these amazing things. I can, but I was so unfulfilled and I, I couldn't find any joy in life. I thought being right. a father would be joy. And, and what being a father did for me was it made me love deeper than I've ever loved. But with love comes responsibility. So it wasn't always Disney World and ice cream and puppies. It was baby monitors and waking up every three hours and worrying yeah. even more. And so I, every time I felt like I knew that there was a solution out there, the solution was wrong because it was all external. It was all external. So talk about that a little bit because I, I think a lot of people can totally relate to like that where you were, where it's like, you got the greatest work ethic. You're a hard worker. You're, you know, you do all these things. You're creative. You got it all together, yet you're this missing piece or something that's just not there. That missing piece. So, you know, there's this idea, right? That there's a science, that there's an actual program to achieve all the goals you want, you know, and you can, you can copy people and you can find mentors and you can work hard and you can have all this discipline desire, but that is not actual happiness. That is not actual joy. And that is not fulfillment. That's achievement. You know, it's achievement. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons that when athletes win the Super Bowl, they go into a little bit of a depression. You know, John Elway talks about it very openly. For two years, he abused, he wasn't an alcoholic, but abused alcohol after he won two Super Bowls and retired and yeah. got divorced and, you know, it, it, and, and, and not an alcoholic, mind you. And it's because, you know, believe it or not, I do think achievement and, and success can even be an addiction. Yeah, and absolutely. It just, it just fuels that I need more. I need more. I need more. And what I was truly missing, and I think a lot of the people that I work with and probably a lot of people listening to this podcast is missing is a spiritual component of life and understanding that there's way more to the purpose and the meaning of why we're here and why we're existing than the material world. And that does not mean that the material world is not extremely important. It doesn't mean that that money is a bad thing. Money is a beautiful thing. As a matter of fact, you know, you and I have read this a million times. Money will just reveal to people who you really are. You know, that's right, all yeah. it will do. If you're a really kind, loving, sweet, generous guy and you have a lot of money, people will think that of you. But if you're a cold-hearted, you know, egocentric, meme, well, people will see that on steroids with money. So there's nothing wrong with the material world, but if you're always looking for solace, for freedom, for peace in the material world, you're going to be let down hard. Yeah, absolutely. I can't agree with that more. What was that drive for you, though, that 
you know, looking back now, you know, this drive to have this success, this achievement and to, you know, I got to keep going. I got to make more stuff. I got to create more stuff. I got to be more successful. It's well, you know, it's, I think we could crack it down to, to certain developments of even my generation, right? So I'm a kid that was born in the late seventies and a kid of the eighties where everything was excess and it was Stallone and Arnold and muscles and long hair and power. And, and so those were my heroes and my idols. And I saw my father's work ethic and my grandfather's work ethic. And it was work hard, work hard, play hard. And I had that mentality and I had coaches and I had, you know, people as I was growing up where it was practice, practice, practice. And, and, you know, there's one more rep, there's one more round, there's, you know, no pain, no gain. These were the way, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, we were not the people that recovery is a really good thing for your body and you have to make sure you sleep eight hours a day. And, you know, it, it, nutrition was something, but it wasn't the way it is today. And I think really the way I was raised in the environment I was was in, plus just having this, if you don't mind me saying, I believe alcoholism and addiction truly is a disease, right? It's fatal. It's chronic. It's progressive and it's primary. You have to have all four things to be considered a disease, like cancer, alcoholism and addiction fulfill all four. And when you have something in your mind that has that, these addictive behaviors can go into good things when you're a kid or negative things. So this drive and this obsession to be relevant, to have some sort of respect, this, this idea that if I could be significant in some way, if I could, if I can, if I can hold court in some way, it wasn't just an Adam Javelin thing. It was really kind of, I mean, like even the bands yeah. I grew up with, it was big hair and big guitars, and you know, and it, it was, was just like more, 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 bigger, more, yeah. yeah and bigger. you just have to push yourself. There's no, you know, if you're resting, you're weak. If you're resting, you're weak. And there's no, there's no mercy for the weak, you know, from a karate kid. It, it, yeah. It, you know, and, and, and it was culture and it was television and movies. So when you ask, it's, it's you know, the more I, I'm getting a little older, you know, I'm 46, I'm going to be 47. And the more I do a deep dive into how this happened, I start realizing it's, it's more than just the way I think and who I am. It really was, it was a time and it was a place. And it was a moment, you know, and so it was just, I was, not only did I have this grind mentality, but everything around me at that time mirrored it. Like, yeah, what you're doing is right. And it just, you know, and again, when you start getting the gifts of the material world, it illustrates that what you're doing is right. Yeah. But then there's that emptiness on the other side of it. It's like, now I got all this stuff or I've got all this achievements. I've got all this success, whatever it is. And then, well, okay, now what? Now, now I, I don't feel any better. It's past. I mean, it's nice to have the achievement. It feels good in the moment, but then it's, there's nothing there. And, and I don't know if you've felt the same way. We can use the podcast or your, you know, your center that you've built or, anything in your life or my book that went number one or, it, but it, it's very interesting how quickly the joy of those achievements leaves. I mean, it, you know, I remember even thinking when my book went number one, like, is there anything higher? 
Right. right? Because it, it just, you know, it's, so it's very interesting to actually take a look at myself and realize how long do this, does this feeling of accomplishment even stay with me? And it doesn't stay very long. So even now, 16 years clean and sober, spiritually fit, I can still get in that trap. And I have to realize that achievement and success is a wonderful thing, but it's different than fulfillment. It's different than true happiness and it's different than joy. And when you, you know, that's why I think you and I can help so many people because the addicted brain wants both. It just wants that dopamine hit that instant, like, you know, Oh, wow. This feels great. I've just achieved this. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah, but then that fades and there's, there's nothing else there. If a reward, right. I just crushed my workout. So I deserve the piece of chocolate cake, right? It's just constant reward systems. So, you know, I, like I was telling you when we started, this is the perfect podcast for, for me to, to shoot the shit with because I have the addicted mind. You know, the name of my book is Lotsaholic. As in, I was, everything I did, I did a lot. I did a lot, right? You know, that's what they made fun of me in rehab. These guys that were shooting heroin, smoking crack, doing things that like, you know, I had done synthetic versions of them, but like really, really, you know, uh, speed balls, things that I had not played with. They were like, he's the worst of all of us because anything I did, I did a lot. You know, more is better in every area. Meditation, prayer, exercise, nutrition, more, 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 more. And what I had to learn is less is more. Yeah. To be able to step back and just and just be. But that that, you know, if you're uncomfortable with yourself, being is just doesn't feel very good. I got to go back to achievement. You know, (laughs) that's I just got to go back to achievement because being is like, oh, I don't I don't know if I want to sit there too long. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that you and I really try to help the people that we that are listening now or the people that we work with either in a group setting or one on one is that uh, it's very cliche now because recovery is so big that you, you, you know, the things that, yeah. that I heard when I first came in in 2006, now I see everywhere. So thank God our culture has adopted that being an alcoholic and, and an addict is 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 normal. Thank God it's opening up. But I remember hearing for the first time, there's a difference between being a a human doing and a human being and being like, whoa, like these were, whoa. I remember hearing that being like, I'm a a human doing, you know, I remember somebody telling me the next time it's always death institutions and jails. And the first time I heard that, it scared the hell out of me. When it came to the the addicted mind and where alcoholism and addiction could tell you know take you, now I say it like it's nothing, you know. Yeah, you know, jails, institutions, or death; those are your right. options. And I think it can be hard if if you're, I, I would imagine, if you're successful, you have all these things on the outside. You 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 know that's what's what's important to you in that moment, and here you are on the inside, lost, feeling depressed, sad drinking yourself to numb that pain to reach out for help becomes its own issue, right? Because then you have to face that, wait a minute, something I'm not achieving this perfect thing that I've been working so hard to be, you know, it's all like a, 
I don't know, all that cognitive yeah. dissonance. Well, I was blessed, and, and, you and know, getting, um, getting I've help. been enjoying us rapping and I, this, this, I get off on this, you know, because I, I speak on stages. I tell my story all the time, but I wasn't even humble enough to ask for help. I, I'm somebody that had to walk into an intervention and I had to have people that loved me say ah. something's wrong. Right. And they, you know, and, in an intervention process, you know, usually the family gets together and everybody, because you know, sometimes people aren't even aware, is this really what's needed? So everybody puts in a different story of the person. And when they put all these stories in about me, they were like, Adam has a problem. And I sat there and I listened to these letters and you wow. know, each letter sounded very similar, something very loving about me, very sweet. And then they knew, we know what's been going on. We know what's really happening. And I thought I had everybody fooled. Then something sweet again, right? Kind of bring my spirits back up. And then the fourth part was, will you get help? And if you do it the right way, with the right people at the right time, the alcohol and the addict is completely disarmed. Because you love somebody, everybody so much that you're willing to at least try. And I went to this rehab center called the Hanley Center. And I went with denial. I was captain. I did not think I was an alcoholic or an addict. You know, I, I wanted everybody to be, I wanted to get everybody to feel good and right. be off my back. And when I learned about the disease of alcoholism addiction and how I was living, my whole world made sense, my man. My whole, that's why I got a DUI in college. That's why I spent two nights in jail. That's why I've written my wife 30, 35 letters and I'll quit drinking. That's why I started playing with the pharmacy and Xanax and Ambient to sleep and Oxycontin and Percocet before I, you know, I that, oh, because there's not, it's not that there's, it's not that I, it's this and that, it's that I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And, and once I was, I was explaining right. what I was. Now I had a choice. Do I want to get well or do I want to continue my life? So they had to really put it in your face to, to see it. Totally. I mean, you did that. And even in that, there was a lot of denial. And then, and then something shifted at some point uh, where you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is me. Uh, I, 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 gotta, I, I, I need to do something. So I can give you three parts of how this, this really shifted in me. Three you know, where you could actually see this happen, this happen for me. One was the first, you know, so I go, I check into this rehab center. I'm in a detox room. Now, even though this place was beautiful and, and you know, wonderful place, detox is not the nicest thing, you know, for anyone that sat there. You know what I mean? It's not like you have ESPN and you can sit there and order a burger. And there were three books there. There was Narcotics Anonymous, a 24 hour day prayer book, and the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, as much as I love to believe in spirituality and God, a prayer book seemed religious to me at the time, at the time. You know what I mean? I was a work hard, play hard guy. I had done plenty of drugs right. in my life, tons. I never called it a narcotic. The name of the book scared me. Alcoholics Anonymous, I had heard of in the movies and stuff. You know, AA, who hasn't heard of AA in some way by the time they're 30? And I was interviewing, I was 30. So I took the book and I was expecting a book about, honestly, guys that somehow figured out a way to drink, figured out a way, you know, and so none of the titles I liked, right? None of them. There was, there's a solution and to the wives and none of these things I like, but there was a doctor's opinion. This is my very first day in treatment and 
I'm like a health guy. You know what I mean? I was always trying to show who I was. So I would heard a doctor's opinion and it had me pegged that we could be successful, that we could be driven, that when we drink, it's like an, it's an allergy and we have a compulsion. And once we take the drink, the allergy is set off. We, we can't control it. And I, I just read this chapter and it, it made such sense to me of, of, oh my God, this is how I behave. This is who I am. You know what I mean? This is incredible. Like this, this guy in 1930 or 40 wrote how I think and how I behave. Going on the wagon for weeks at a time, going back to it in remorse and the cycle continues. I've never, no one's ever spoken to me like that. And the next day I met my counselor and I told him I read, he asked me what I did in rehab. And I said, well, I, or in, in detox, I said, I, I read the doctor's opinion in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he looked at me like I was like an anomaly. He looked at me like I was Neo. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, you did? I was like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm, I'm looking at him like he's crazy. I'm like, it's not like, and not just that. I'm, I'm like, an achiever, man. I'm like going to do it right here. To do. There was not a television. I, I would love to know if the Lakers won last night. There yeah. wasn't a crossword puzzle. There was a desk with three books. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, so to me, I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? You know what I mean? Right. And he goes, well, what did you think? And I looked at him. I'm like, I think there's a lot of me in there. And he goes, well, do you think you're an alcoholic? And I was like, whoa, whoa, it's a little extreme. You know, <laughs> don't you think that's a little? And he goes, well, let me ask you something. He goes, have you ever woken up in the morning and sworn to yourself you wouldn't drink that day and ended up drinking anyway? And I'm like, every time, every time. He goes, all right, take it easy. I hear that a lot, by the way. Take it easy. Take it yeah. easy. He goes, well, let me ask you this. He goes, have you ever said to yourself, okay, tonight I'll have two or three, but then when you started, you couldn't control it. And I'm like, every time. He goes, well, if that's the case, and if you swear to yourself in the morning that you won't drink and you end up drinking anyway, and then you make that deal with yourself that tonight you only have two or three, but when you start, you can't control the amount, wouldn't you say you were powerless? And my man, I couldn't see a way out. You know what I mean? His bishop, my pawn, his, you know, I was, it was checkmate. So I was, yeah, I guess I'm powerless. He goes, okay, right. would you say right. your life is unmanageable? And I'm sitting there, now just, just realize, I'm in a treatment, right? I'm sitting there with this counselor, <laughs> well, probably brushing my beard. I remember it, you know, I could, I could relive it. And I'm thinking, you know, I just got this order from Victoria's Secrets, $25 million order. Yeah, I just got the house, have a baby, you know, the hot wife. And the, you know, I, yeah, and he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And he bangs on the table, loud as can be, goes, Adam. And I'm sitting here taking stock of my life. You know, he goes, you're in rehab. And I was, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh. And, and, <laughs> you're like, wait a and, minute. And that's the guy you're talking to today. That's how bad my denial is. I'm sitting with a counselor in a rehab center talking about, I just admitted that I'm powerless over drinking. He asks me, do I think my life is unmanageable? And I'm thinking, not really. <laughs> it's amazing how the you know how I mean? the brain can work around that cognitive dissonance and just kind of like, no, I'm fine. Just because people did an intervention on me and are telling me this, they must all be wrong. Unbelievable, right? So then I go to a... 
what would you and I call a lecture? And it was a guy by the name Dr. John Diven, who's who's a phenomenon, and you could look him up. He's, he'd be a wonderful guest. And he gave us a lecture, me and these 30, 40 alcoholic addicts, on unhealthy spirituality versus unhealthy spirituality. And I didn't even know there was such a thing. But I felt like he, this lecture was for me because one of the things he taught me was he said, spirituality is like muscles. You cannot get more spiritual. And that hit me. You cannot get more spiritual. So God has given us all the muscles we're ever going to need, right? Bicep, tricep, deltoids. You can't get more muscles, right? I can't get another deltoid, another bicep, another. But what you can do is you can make what God gave you healthy, fit, full, strong, right? But you can't get more of it. You can just enhance it. And spirituality is just like muscles. You can't get more of it, but everything is in you that God gave you and you can make it bigger, faster, stronger, more powerful. And that hit me. And then he goes, you can see healthy spirituality versus unhealthy spirituality. Healthy spirituality, people look alive and their eyes are open like yours. And there's there's almost an, a, a, a light that comes out of them, a celebration, and they find their words easy and they're happy to communicate and they're happy to talk. But unhealthy spirituality, you can see too. And people, there's like a dark cloud around them and there's a lack of intimacy, a lack of eye connection. And there's they can't right, find right. The words. There's a mm and a uh. And, a, and guess which one I was at that time? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, I, I, so yep. I was, and then the third thing that happened was I had to meet a guy named Father Ron Bersha. Father Ron Bersha, a Catholic priest that has his own office in this rehab center. Now I'm a Jew from Jersey, and we sit down, and I love this guy, just his aura, his energy. I I felt a kinship with him, and I'll never forget him asking, "Hey Adam, do you believe in God?" Now, if you're like me, and, and most of us are, like we, we're quick with the tongue, we're quick with the wit, and if a Catholic priest asks you if you believe in God, 99.9% of the people are going to be like, yeah, what else are you going to tell a Catholic priest that's asking you in his office <laughs> right. you believe in God? Right. And he could tell that I was full of it. He could just tell. But he goes, can you please stick your arm out? And I stick my arm out, and he does this, Right. And I'm looking at my arm. He goes, do you see what I did there? So I'm looking at my arm. I look at the priest. I look at my arm. I look at, I'm like, Father, you know, I'm Jewish. Maybe there's a disconnect. He does it again, right? He goes, do you see what I did this time? I'm looking at my arm. I'm looking at the Father. I'm looking at my arm. I, I can't figure out what this guy's talking about. You know, I'm like, you know, uh, Father, I, I'm sorry. I'm apologizing. He does it again. He goes, and just so our listeners can see that you're like you're putting your hand on your arm. Oh right? yeah, oh, okay. They're, they're not going to watch this visually. So, well, some will see a video, some will hear it, but okay, just so, cool, they know. Cool, yeah. so So he keeps putting his fingerprints on my arms, right? But I'm not seeing that. And all of a sudden, he goes, "You see it this time." Now I'm uncomfortable, right? Now I'm uncomfortable because I have no idea what the Kyle this guy's talking about. And right. he goes, and I'm like, Father, you know, I heard about you guys touching little boys. He laughs, I laugh, because I don't know what, what answer he's looking for. And he takes a UV light out, right? And he shuts the lights off. And all of a sudden, all of his fingerprints are glowing. They're glowing, right? Just like if, you know, if a, the police came right now to your office or my right, office, right. they could see all the DNA and they could, there's tons of evidence that we're, and I'm sitting there watching his fingerprints glow. 
And he goes, Adam, do you think that maybe there's a power all around you that you can't see, taste, touch, none of the five basic senses that has been around you, loving you, guiding you, protecting you, and brought you here to me? And I'm looking at these fingerprints glow. And I'm like, Father, I can believe. I can believe. And this Catholic priest took this Jew from Jersey and downloaded him into the matrix. I had my first experience with a higher reality and a higher power. I actually was able to, somebody made sense of what it's like to have faith and belief, right? So I don't need to know how Zoom works or how this is going on and you're in a different state and I'm here. Right. I don't need to understand that planes are using radar sonar right now. Their, pilots are not flying using their eyes. They're using you know, equipment that we can't understand. Whales are speaking under the ocean. And I'm sitting here in Adam Javelin's body thinking I know everything about everything. Right. And he right. opened me up to such a bigger world. And 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 I have story after story after story about this armor in me that was being cracked. Right. But between just that, just those three things, just am I powerless over alcohol? Is my life unmanageable with a counselor on day one? And then healthy spirituality versus unhealthy spirituality and how it looks and how it performs and what it looks like in everyday life. And that there is a power greater than myself that is all around us at all times. These things started nurturing and and healing those wounds that you and I were talking about, where I was looking for Absolutely. It in a drink, in a drug, in a workout, in a new nutrition plan, in more money, in more achievement, in more success, and my journey began. It's like a surrendering. It's like, it's just bigger than myself and there's nothing I can, you know, it's just, it's just that it's that feeling that just, this is, this is just way bigger than, than me. And I'm just a small piece in this and, and the ability with that kind of feeling to be able to let go. Yeah, It is what it is. It is what it, it is. It cracks so through all that stuff. It cracks through. It cracks through. So I, you know, I had to tell my story for the first time. And even though I had a story, I remember them telling me I had to tell my story in 10 days. And, you know, like I told you, a kid growing up in the 80s in Jersey and, you know, I, you know when someone said, like, what's your story? That's an offensive way to talk to somebody the way I was raised. I'm like, what's your fucking right. story? You know what I mean? What do you mean? Right. I, have a story? But I didn't know I had a story. I didn't know that I had all these causes and conditions that led me down the road. I, you know, I didn't know that growing up the fat kid really made me that insecure and that I became a people pleaser and, 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 and I made everybody laugh with my personality because I was the fat kid. And I didn't know that moving to Boca Raton, Florida when I was 12 or 13 and being overweight really, really played with my psychology that much and then deciding – my mom buying me Flex Magazine and Muscle and Fitness magazines back in the day and Arnold Schwarzenegger encyclopedia of bodybuilding and learning how to take care of my body and eat right. And how in four short years, I went from being the fattest kid in the class to the best built kid in the class. I went from everyone asking, hey, Adam, how many Oreos did you eat last night? To, yo, man, how much can you bench press? The girls that used to tease me right. for sweating all the time liked me. Everything changed on the outside except me. I was still that insecure class clown, make you laugh with me. But now I have these muscles and I have, I have this emotional 
and physical intelligence that I didn't have before. And I'm starting to play sports with the older kids because I have this ability. And the older kids, like, there's just something about in high school and, and, and middle school, older kids just seem cooler. They have more freedom. They, you know, they're about to go to college. I don't know what it is at that age, but these kids were like gods and they're hanging with me and they're experimenting with alcohol and drugs. And my man, all I can remember is the first time I had a Coors Light or I had a puff and it fixed something inside of me that I did not know was broken. It fixed. And now my insides of being relaxed and happy and confident matched my outsides and Superman came out. It was like, yo, the party's with me. Uh, Here's the guy. Here's the, and when I didn't have it, the class clown, insecure, charismatic, uh, was there. But when I drank that confidence and that happiness came out and I just, Without knowing it, without saying it out loud, I just made a conscious decision that this is what my life is about. I love that feeling. I went to Arizona State University because it was the number one party school in the country in Playboy and Penthouse Magazine, which it was. And I dominated there. And it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it was like, what could be wrong with this? What could be wrong? Like, it was my, that was my answer. This is how I relax. This is how I have fun. This is how Adam Javin comes out until it didn't work. Right, right. And you had to have that the, those moments to break that that shell around you, like you said, that armor around you. You, you, it had to it had to break apart. Someone had to come in and kind of help you surrender that, and and then, and then see the joy on the other side of it. Once you surrender all that, you don't you don't have to do any of that. It's you do it because it just means it's meaningful. This is why I love what you do. This is why I love what I do as a coach, because I I personally needed outside help. I needed people to love me and people to talk to me and people to educate me and for me not to feel so strange all the time and to right. feel so so weird and unique and what's wrong and 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 not understand, you know, and, and I just remember at the very end, it was so dark. I was so dark. You know, I got to this point where I just, I apologize that I'm, I speak the way I do, but I like being authentic and sometimes I curse. And I just felt like the whole world, everything was full of shit. Everything. Politics. Bullshit. Republicans, bullshit. Democrats, bullshit. It's sports, BS. Now the now the referees are saying that the games are rigged. NFL, NBA. Like I just every just my friends they call me. Blah, blah, blah. I just you know my wife needs me to do this and blah, blah, blah. and being a father, it was more responsibility than I felt love and and I just felt I was like, is this what this is fucking about? Is this it? Yeah. Is this it? This is it. And my joy will be coming from a, a Hummer than one day to a Ferrari or maybe buying a boat or you know, a, 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 another abdominal, a, a new exit. Like, like, is this what is this what this is all about? I just was empty. Dark. I just didn't give like that's for me. I think that's the scariest place. And that's where I want to help people, because for me, it got to a point where I didn't give a shit. To me, that's the scariest place. If you still care a little bit, we have something we can work with. We can open that window fast. But when you get to where I was, you just don't give a shit. 
I may just drive my car off the fucking bridge. I may put a gun to my mouth. I may do an eight ball and I I don't know. Who cares? What's the point? That's yeah. scariest place to be, in my opinion. I think I think it's a dark it's a dark dark space because there's nothing of any what you were saying earlier that spiritual peace that that brings us that joy that real joy not not the achievement joy or the achievement high but the the joy of just being here and being with other people and and giving back and supporting people I mean it's just that's the most meaningful thing yeah so you know and and I'm open now, which is one of the best things I could tell you. I'm open. Why I like that word so much is I'm open to learning from everybody at every minute. I'm open to learning from you. I don't, I don't come in with this idea that I know everything. I don't come in with this idea that it's my way or the highway, you know, and, and being open and realizing that there are truths in the Old Testament and truths in the New Testament. And there are truths on the Republican side and there are truths on the Democratic side. And there's truth in the United States. But you know what? There's also truth in Iraq and Iran. And there's and and there's there's just so much beauty and joy and love. And when you can be open and not stuck in the it, it's you know, I'm right, you're wrong. It's just a beautiful place to be. Yeah. And you just want to give back. You just want to give that to other people. You want them to have that same experience. That's my mission. You know, that's why I started Ignite the Hero Within. That's why I have the Hero Project. That's why I love coaching people from groups to one-on-one. That's why I like spreading the, the good news that you and I have found. I didn't ever think that I would find so many people that related to the way I used to think. I didn't think that. You know, and um, I'm saying this not for credibility. I'm saying this because I want people to realize the human race. I work with a lot of A-list celebrities, a lot of NFL athletes. I just was working with a major league baseball athlete uh, on the Mets. I work with, you you name it, like I work with them one-on-one. And what I didn't realize is they feel the same exact way we do. Yeah, we're all human. When I was a kid, I didn't think that. You know, my hero was Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa and and Ram. And I didn't think Arnold Schwarzenegger and Michael Jordan. And I did not think that these guys had human concerns or worries whatsoever. Yeah. And it's like that realization that we're we're all really just the same. And we all have the same pain and hurt. It's unbelievable. You know, I've gotten to meet my idol. You know, in the 90s, he put on the number 23 and he dominated that game like nobody else, like nobody else. And I had no idea that he cries and that he feels sad and that he worries about his children and that sometimes that competitive blessing is a curse and it's not enough, it's not enough, it's not enough. And he has found a spiritual way of life now, you know, which is unbelievable due to his, his wife now and they go to church together. I, I, you know, I looked at these guys and they were gods. Yeah. I do not know that every single person that you and I encounter suffer from this mental condition that I had. It's just someone like me that felt like I could answer it in a bottle or a pill or some sort of outside substance. Thank you, Adam, so much for sharing your story and, and just 
you know, giving your wisdom and your experience and, and giving that to other people. I'd love to ask one question at the end of the podcast as we get, as, as we start to wrap up. And if someone is out there and maybe they're in that spot where, you know, their outside life is great, if that makes sense, it's, it's, it's perfect, yet their inside life is a mess or they feel lost or, or hopeless, and you could tell them one thing, what would you want to tell them? I get it. I understand. But trust me, brother, sister, there is hope. There, there is, hope. is hope. Awesome. I love it. I love it. There is always hope. There's always hope. And, and I do think that sometimes they really, because you know, I was that guy. And maybe you were too. You know, I'd love to hear your story a little deeper. But most people, the big, those first few sentences in the beginning, those first few words, that's the part sometimes they need to hear more. They maybe even think there's hope, but you're like they, they look at you like you get it, like yeah, I get it, I really do. Totally, I I totally understand, Adam. I totally get it. Yeah, <laughs> been been there. Yeah. How can people find you? They want more information about you. Where can they find your book? Where can they find yeah. information about you? Yeah, sure. So uh, the book is on Amazon. You can just. Google my name or you know, type in my name, Adam Joblin or Lotsaholic. You could also go to Adam Joblin anywhere. So it's Adam Joblin on my website, Adam Joblin Instagram, Adam Joblin Facebook, Adam Joblin LinkedIn. We're just starting to develop a TikTok page because, you know, really it's just about getting the, the news out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well at theaddictedmind.com. So you can check them out there. Adam, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom sharing yourself with the addicted mind audience i just appreciate it amen and thanks for having me and thank you for your patience with the storm and everything i really appreciate it oh no no problem at all i'm glad you could make it me too me too all right everyone thank you for listening to the addicted mind podcast as usual all the show notes will be at the so go check them out and if you enjoyed this episode Click subscribe in your podcast app and join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. All right, everyone, have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you on the next episode. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.